Hello, and welcome to the Upper Bowl GM Podcast. My name is Nick Sararis. Been light on the show last few days. Got the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine on Monday. That kind of knocked me out of commission the last two and a half days. But got good stuff lined up for next week. Got a good episode for you guys today. This is a quick hitter. It's obviously the first day of the NFL draft when you guys are listening to this. Going to be taking a page out of the great Elliot Friedman's playbook. His column, his weekly column and podcast are named 31 Thoughts because there's 31 teams in the NHL. Today's episode is 32 NFL Draft Thoughts because, of course, there were 32 teams in the NFL, and I've got a thought for each of them about their first-round pick and what this weekend is going to represent for them. But before I get to the show, I do have to remind everyone to please, 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 Take a minute, whatever podcasting platform you are using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, any podcasting platform you're using to listen to this, please hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button. If you're on iTunes, take the extra minute, go down to the bottom of the show's page, hit the, there are going to be five clear stars there. You want to hit the one furthest to the right? I'd be leaving a five-star review. And beneath that is a button with purple lettering that says write a review. Hit that. Take a second. Leave a couple sentences. I'd really appreciate it. It'd be really nice. All of that said, I will see you guys on the other side of this drop. And boy, oh boy, I friggin' love the NFL draft. The Cleveland Browns select... Johnny Menzel, quarterback, Texas A&M. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Oklahoma. The New York Giants select Saquon Barkley, running back, Penn State. The Buffalo Bills select Josh Allen, quarterback, Wyoming. Cincinnati Bengals select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Get on into it with the first pick in the 2021 NFL draft. We've long since known the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take Trevor Lawrence. What I am very interested to see is how Trevor Lawrence fits into what Urban Meyer wants to do. Now, every team in the NFL is a little bit different. Not every team has the same power structure we're all familiar with. Every team has a general manager, a head coach, and then they have individuals who report to those those people within the organization. But not every general manager is responsible for picking the players directly. Some teams, the head coach has more sway over that. They have control over personnel decisions. Jacksonville is going to be the first case study, and we're going to see. Can Urban Meyer build the Jaguars? like they were Florida or Ohio State. Can he recruit high-end players in free agency? Can he draft well? And can he develop players? The thing I really want to talk about with Trevor Lawrence in this segment here for their first overall pick is they're not going to be putting him with the uh, the best coaches in the world for 
a rookie quarterback. You're talking about Brian Schottenheimer. You're talking about Scott Linehan, two play caller offensive coordinators who haven't had a ton of success at the NFL level. Linehan spent last year as the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers and the college ranks. He'd previously done that job with the Dallas Cowboys before he got fired. Schottenheimer, been around the league a long time, worked for his dad, Marty, spent time with the Jets, the Seahawks, a number of other teams. I'm really curious to see how Trevor Lawrence is going to fit in what they want to do and if they're going to put him in a position to succeed right away or if he's going to have a hard time because of stubbornness, because of coaches not being willing to adapt their scheme and systems to what the players are good at. Like I said, this episode's going to be fast-moving, only about two minutes per team, because, you know, 32 teams don't want to lull on any one team for too long. The second overall pick, the New York Jets, are supposedly going to be taking Zach Wilson out of Brigham Young University. Quarterback, one year of real production at the college level. 2019, had a shoulder injury. Did not play particularly well, turned the ball over a lot. Uh, A real gunslinger is how I would describe Zach Wilson. He's inclined to force the ball into targets because he believes in his arm strength. He's got an incredibly strong arm. The off-platform throws, the one-footed throws, the fadeaway throws, like he's taking a jump shot. I absolutely adored Zach Wilson at BYU this past year. BYU has one of the best offenses in college football, puts their quarterback in a position to succeed where he's got multiple options on every play. If one guy isn't open, then the other guy's going to be open. And that's a staple of the type of offense the Jets are supposedly going to be running with Mike LaFleur as the offensive coordinator. I'd assume they're going to run a variation of Kyle Shanahan's Mike, Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is a version of Mike Shanahan, his dad's offense, based on zone run and play action that about eight to ten teams around the league use a variation of now. And I'm very interested to see how Zach Wilson does. The Jets just literally within the last month, they got rid of their last uh, top five pick that was a quarterback. They uh, never really gave Sam Darnold an opportunity to succeed during the USC quarterback's time in New York. I'm very curious to see how well the Jets do of putting Wilson in a position to succeed because that's the biggest determination of a quarterback, a rookie quarterback success is do they have the opportunity to succeed? There have been plenty of talented quarterbacks who haven't played well at the NFL level because they haven't been put in a position to succeed. They're forced into too many third and longs. They're, they don't have good players on the outside to get open. They don't have the offensive line to give them enough time to read plays and let them develop to find open players down the field. I'm very, very curious to see what happens with the Jets in that regard because they spent some money in free agency. They've got a left tackle in Bakai Becton, who they really liked, who played pretty well for them last year as a rookie. We'll see what they can do. I think Wilson has arguably the highest ceiling of all of these quarterbacks based on what he could be. If Zach Wilson keeps on an upward trajectory, he's going to be... Mormon Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm not exaggerating. That's the ceiling of this skill set. I don't think he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but if everything plays out perfectly, he very well could. Now, the most interesting pick of this entire draft is the 49ers at three. They gave up significant resources to get to the third overall selection. They gave away three first round draft picks. To the Miami Dolphins, who then traded one of those picks to move back up to number six with the Eagles. We'll get to the Dolphins in a minute, but 
It seems like every insider, anyone with any sources around the 49ers, is pretty convinced they're going to be taking Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. One year of major statistical production, 16 career starts at the college level on a team that featured two first-round pick wide receivers, a first-round pick running back, an offensive tackle who's probably going to go in the late first round, a center who's probably going to go in the late first round or in the early second round. Mac Jones had it pretty easy at Alabama, and that's a perfect example of a player being put in a position to succeed. I'm not going to hold it against Mac Jones. He was on one of the best college football teams of all time that it was really easy for him because his receivers could either get open right away and burn someone, or if he got the ball in their hands, they could get to space and then make people miss and take it off to the races. I just don't think Mac Jones has as high a ceiling as the other four quarterbacks who are going to go in this this part of the draft. Uh, I think Lawrence definitely has a higher ceiling. I think Zach Wilson does. I think Justin Fields does. And I definitely think Trey Lance in the perfect situation has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones because of his physical limitations. Jones isn't a statue back there, but he's pretty slow. But again... Kyle Shanahan is a coach who likes a specific style of quarterback. I'm not going to repeat ad nauseum what you've heard on every Talking Head show for three months now, but from all everything I've heard, it seems like Mac Jones is going to be the pick. I do know Dan Patrick has reported more than once that there are at, there is at least one person in the 49ers front office who wants them to take Trey Lance. If you take Trey Lance there... You can sit him for a year, or you can get him in there about midway through the season. You still got Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. I think Lance should be the pick, but it's going to be very interesting to see Kyle Shanahan stake his job on Mac Jones, someone who's kind of, you know, the typical Alabama quarterback. Uh, I think Mac Jones is about what Tua was coming out last year. I was pretty high on Tua last year, but I didn't think he was better than Burrow. I don't think Mac Jones is better than any of the other four quarterbacks who are going to go in this first round here. Now, the Falcons are a beautiful way to talk about one of my favorite themes. One of my favorite things about the draft is understanding value, because there are a number of teams in the NFL who have a rudimentary understanding of positional value, and I can say confidently that me, myself, Nick Zoraris, have a better understanding of positional value than professional general managers, coaches, and executives, because not every position is as valuable, and it's part of why the best player available strategy might not make sense depending on your team. If you are the Falcons at four, the best player available on your board is probably the tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. Don't get me wrong, huge Kyle Pitts guy. I bet Florida pretty much every single one of their games last year, in part because Kyle Pitts was an absolute beast. That man is uncoverable at the college level. The SEC cornerbacks who got matched up on him got bodied. The linebackers and safeties who got matched up on him got ran by. An absolute freak of nature in terms of physical skills, physical testing off the charts, really fast, really strong, good leaping ability, good three cone, gets in and out of his breaks really well. But no tight end is worth the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft. No tight end. If you came down from the heavens with 2012 Rob Gronkowski and dropped him on a team right now, he wouldn't make that much of a difference. He'd help you score some points, but in the grand scheme of things, tight end is just not that valuable of a position. 
And if I'm the Falcons, I'm taking Trey Lance, I'm taking Justin Fields, or I'm trading out of that spot. That is the only acceptable thing for a team like Atlanta that is clearly in a transitional period and needs assets. They do not have the cap space to make any significant moves in free agency or via trade. They are reportedly shopping wide receiver Julio Jones. Don't know what the price would be. I would assume it's probably at least a third-round pick, if not more than that. Maybe a three and a five, three and a six, something in that ballpark. Julio's a little bit up there now, 32 years old. But if you trade Julio, you get an extra pick in there. You can't take a tight end fourth overall because you're going to end up doing what the Cowboys did last year. If you want to try and win games with that team, you're going to have to score 42, 45 points every single game. If you keep Julio in the mix, you got Julio, Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, you're talking about having to score 45 points a week to be competitive because the defense is so horrendous. And there are no impact defensive players worth taking at fourth overall this year. There's no Chase Young. There's no Bosa brother. There's no generational corner. You got to trade out or you got to take a quarterback at four. At five, the Bengals, the Bengals, the Bengals. The Bengals are the most unconventional franchise in all of football because their general manager is also the owner and not in a way like Jerry Jones is where he at least listens to other people's input. Mike Brown is not particularly good at his job. Uh, The Bengals have always left something to be desired and how they've used the draft and how they've used free agency and how they've managed players they've taken and developed them. They might have a guy in Joe Burrow. I am still pretty high on Burrow, even coming off that gruesome leg injury. I thought he was going to be awesome last year. We saw the flashes. He had the confidence. He had the swagger. He was making his teammates better. He was doing a good job of being a leader on a team that needed leadership that was kind of rudderless and... Mm. I know he wants Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is the best non-quarterback in this draft. I think Chase is probably the number two player on my big board behind Trevor Lawrence. I think Chase has elite, elite ceiling and could be special right away. But you can't build from the outside in in the NFL and expect to win right away because the offensive line is so damn important. I understand the inclination to take the flashy player. Nobody is getting excited. No one is buying the jersey of the uh, left tackle you took number five overall. If you take Chase, you're going to sell a lot of jerseys. You're going to get people excited. You're going to make your franchise quarterback happy because he he was teammates with Chase two years ago when they broke all those passing records and were one of the best college football teams of all time. I feel like you got to take the tackle. I feel like you got to take... I feel like you got to take Sewell. I think a lot of people are very high on Sewell. I know the Bengals value Jonah Williams, who they drafted two years ago, pretty highly. He missed last season with the torn Achilles. I would like the Bengals to put Joe Burrow in a position to succeed. Yes, adding Jamar Chase to that offense would make them a lot more dynamic and make your other receivers better because Jamar Chase is going to draw attention. You have Jamar Chase, you have T. Higgins, and you have Tyler Boyd all on the field at the same time, there's going to be opportunities there for someone to be open, and Chase is going to help his teammates be open because he's going to draw more attention, and that in turn will help make Burrow's life easier. I really do wonder about the Bengals. I think you got to go tackle, and if you got to put Jonah Williams at right tackle, so be it. You give Burrow time, 
you let him cook, you give him a clean pocket to step up in, to throw in, and the Bengals could be respectable next year. I'm not saying good. I'm saying the Bengals could win six, seven games if you give Joe Burrow enough time to not get killed in the pocket. You got to remember, I mean, the Bengals are a team that really doesn't spend a ton of money on front office people, their scouting, their player personnel departments. They have a handful of employees on both of those, a lot less than most other NFL teams. So this is going to come down to what Mike Brown wants. We know they've taken some interesting players in the first round in recent years. I mean, they took John Ross not that long ago, solely based off of the fact he ran the fastest 40 at the draft and not a ton of production in college. Moving on from the Bengals. At six, we have the Miami Dolphins, who will probably take the best offensive skill position player available, whether it's Jamar Chase, whether it's Kyle Pitts, it's one of the Alabama receivers, if it's Jalen Waddell or um, Devontae Smith. They could also go offensive tackle. They have options there at six. I wouldn't rule out tackle. I know they took Austin Jackson from USC last year. He wasn't great as a rookie. He took a lot of holding penalties. He had a hard time, gave up quite a few sacks. But big picture-wise, Miami's in great shape. They played the long game. They took a few years. They acquired a bunch of draft picks. They started from scratch. And they've been building slowly but surely towards a sustainable roster. And they got rewarded a little bit last year. They went 10-6. and six with Tua getting a bulk of the starts, and Tua didn't play particularly well. Now it's about putting Tua in a position where if he doesn't succeed, it's on him, not the team. The Dolphins have enough assets now. They've spent the money. They've made smart moves. They've drafted relatively well. They've got a pretty good coach in Brian Flores. We're going to see. They are the polar opposite of what the Jets did with Sam Darnold. The Dolphins are going to give Tua every opportunity to succeed. That way they know if he does not play well, the Dolphins will know it's time to move on. And then next year in a draft, they're going to have additional resources from trades they've made. They can pursue another quarterback, whether that's Sam Howell, whether that's JT Daniels. There is a number of quarterback prospects in next year's class. No one is good. As Trevor Lawrence, or I'd say Justin Fields, yeah. the Dolphins are shutting themselves up to have a few cracks at it with the current roster composition they have. They're, they're building their team the right way. Number seven, the Detroit Lions, who could take pretty much anything. I would advise taking either Slater or Sewell, whichever one was there. This is a team that's going to be building for multiple years, getting the franchise tackle in place early will help them down the line when it does come time to get a young quarterback in there to start from scratch there. They're going to have Jared Goff for at least the 2021 season, if not the 2022 season as well. You want to be halfway respectable, help Jared Goff stay upright. One of the more... One of the quarterbacks who struggles more when they're under pressure. One of the lowest passer ratings in situations where they're under pressure. Goff needs a clean pocket to operate... The Lions get Sewell or Rashawn Slater in there, maybe even uh, Elijah Vera Tucker in there. There's plenty of possibilities. Detroit can really take anything. They could go defensive back again, even though they took Jeff Okuda last year. They they could go one of the wide receivers. They could go Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddell or Kyle Pitts if he happens to be there or Jamar Chase if he happens to be there. Any of those would make sense. But for Detroit, it's about... Are we building this the right way? Are we going to set ourselves up for success going forward? Or are we going to take the shiny toy? Are we going to take Amika Parsons because he's flashy and we can sell some Lions jerseys with his name on it? 
are we going to learn from our past? And are we going to start drafting well? Are we going to start putting our players in a position to succeed? Not a ton to say about Detroit. They're one of the least talented rosters in the entire league. The general manager, Brad Holmes, the head coach, Dan Campbell, they both knew that when they took this job. So it's going to be an uphill climb. Start it off the right way. Get the franchise tackle in place. It's not a sexy pick, but it helps your team out in the long run. At eight, we have one of the more interesting teams here. We have the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule and their general manager, Scott Fitterer. The thing that intrigues me about Carolina when it comes to the draft is we know their owner, Dave Tepper, wants to be flashy. We know they were in the mix to trade for Deshaun Watson prior to the sexual assault allegations coming out. We know they were prepared to make a crazy offer to try and get him. They ended up trading for Sam Darnold. Didn't give up a ton to get him, but they still had to give up assets to get him. But I am reading a little bit, hearing a little bit that... Carolina might be in the mix to take a quarterback at eight if Fields or Trey Lance or Mac Jones were there. Basically, if any of the quarterbacks are there, you can't rule out Carolina taking one of them. Again, I'm very boring. I would take a tackle. I would take a corner. Carolina spent all seven of its draft picks last year on defense, and the defense was still bad. They could use a corner. You could talk yourself into a J.C. Horn, a Patrick Sertan at one of those spots. It's a little early for any of the pass rushers. There's no pass rusher I would take at eight if I were Carolina. If you had your heart set on taking a pass rusher, trade back. Get an extra draft pick in the second or third round from a team who wants to jump up if one of the quarterbacks is slipping. Or if Field or Lance is there and you're confident that's your guy, take him. Let Darnold play out his fifth-year option. Let the backup sit. Let the draft pick sit for a year. You let Darnold walk in free agency, and you start from scratch next year with a Fields, a Lance, a Mac Jones, whatever. I'd be fine with that. That's not the worst use of resources in the world. You just have to be building towards something. If you think you can win with Sam Darnold, then by all means, go get one of the, go get a tackle. Put Sam Darnold in a position to succeed. Go get a corner so the defense can actually stop someone. There's plenty of possibilities for Carolina there, one of the more intriguing teams. And we know their owner, Dave Tepper, wants to do something flashy. They traded Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos today. So before we get into pick nine with the Broncos, it is worth mentioning that does change a little bit. It does leave you with the possibility of taking a quarterback there. And if you're Denver, who's picking ninth, I still think you have to consider taking a quarterback, even if you brought in Teddy Bridgewater. He's a stopgap. I like Teddy. I think he's one of the more dependable game managers. He's not going to lose you the game. He's never going to make you any crazy plays to win the game, though, which is the problem. Carolina started out moderately well with him last year, but quickly hit a wall. Really had a hard time pushing the ball down the field because he couldn't step up in the pocket. He didn't have enough time. He couldn't pan the field. I think Teddy is fine. I think if the Broncos are going to be a competitive team this year, it's going to be through defense and game management, which Teddy could do. But at the same time, if any of the quarterbacks are there, you got to take them. I do know this is one of the good landing spots for a corner. Denver lost both of their corners in free agency that went to other teams. So you could be looking at um, a, a J.C. Horn or a Patrick Sertan here. It's interesting. Denver's got a new general manager in place. Vic Fangio is going into year three as head coach. And we're going to get to see what happens. We're going to get to see 
if this team is building in the right direction and if they're making progress or if they're just going to be sputtering here in the same spot they've been in for a few years now where they haven't had a quarterback, but the defense is too good for them to truly bottom out to be in position to draft a good quarterback. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? I know the prevailing discussion right now around the Cowboys is Jerry Jones really likes Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, but I don't see that happening. Pitts would really have to fall here. There are too many teams in front of the Cowboys who could take him. To me, the thought for the Cowboys is how realistic is it to try and win in today's NFL only scoring points because that Cowboys defense is outright horrendous. I don't really know what to expect from that defense on a week-to-week basis. They've committed a lot of money to just a handful of players. That offensive line that was once the best in the league is pretty old now. Tyron Smith is no longer the great left tackle he once was. I really do wonder what the Cowboys do here. I think it has to be defense just solely based on probability. I mean, that defense is horrendous. I mean, you could, sure, you could draft a receiver. You could get another offensive lineman in there. I don't think I don't think a receiver helps. A tackle would help because their tackles have been getting hurt pretty consistently the last few years. If you wanted to take like a Vera Tucker or the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State whose name is escaping me because I'm a bo- a bad podcast host. Uh, Dallas is interesting. We've seen them over the years get better from a team building perspective as Jerry son Steven has kind of taken the reins. They've kind of, they've reeled Jerry back in. Uh, I think the turning point was really when they drafted um, Zach Martin over Johnny Manziel. I think that was really the turning point in the draft in that teams. I, I won't say arc because I know they've only made it to the divisional round of the playoffs a couple of times. Not particularly impressive, but I trust the Cowboys a little bit more to not make a fool make fools of themselves in the draft because they've shown decent track record of getting results out of players they've drafted. Moving on to the New York Football Giants. I really wish Dave Gettleman would trade back. That's my thought for the Giants. They absolutely should trade back and take a pass rusher. Dave Gettleman has never traded back in his tenure as GM of the Giants or dating back to his time in Carolina. I don't expect him to. I think the pick will be the best receiver available. I expect that to be Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner out of Alabama. This isn't a shocker. This isn't a surprise. The Giants have go are going to put every effort into trying to find out if Daniel Jones is actually good. Similar to what I said about the Miami Dolphins taking either Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase at six. You got to find out if your quarterback is good or not before you give them a real extension and inhibit your ability to spend money on other positions. Last year, Daniel Jones didn't have a fair shot at it. His offensive line was pretty bad. They did not have a good running back. They got decent production out of the running back position from Wayne Gallman. They did not have any real threats throwing the ball. Evan Ingram, way, way, way too many drops. Darius Slayton did not have a strong sophomore campaign as he did as a rookie. Rookie had eight touchdowns last year. I believe he only had three. Sterling Shepard is a good slot receiver, but he is not an impact player. He is a nice complimentary piece. You bring in Kenny Galladay in the offseason. You go into week one with Kenny Galladay, Devontae Smith, 
Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Saquon Barkley. You're talking about really good skill positions. The offensive line, you expect Andrew Thomas to get better in year two. You expect Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux to work. You expect Nick Gates to work at center. At right tackle, you're really counting on the the UConn right tackle, Matt Pert, to make a serious jump. This is a guy who couldn't get in at right tackle last year over a career backup right tackle, someone who was only on the team as the swing tackle. But Matt Pert couldn't get in over him, and the Giants are talking him up a lot for someone who was a third-round pick and only got in a handful of games last year. So the Giants are going to have to see if they've learned their positional value lesson because there's a very real possibility they take a pass rusher at 11, and there's no pass rusher worth the 11th overall pick. This is a front office that has not done a good job of understanding positional value under Dave Gettleman. They took a running back second overall. They took a quarterback sixth overall that there were no teams behind them that were go- was going to take. They took the lowest ceiling of the four offensive tackles in last year's draft of Werfs, Becton, and um, Jedrick Wills, and Andrew Thomas. The Giants ended up with the worst of the four. Dave Gettleman has not done a great job of maximizing positional value. Some positions are worth more than others in football, just point blank, and taking a pass rusher at 11 because you need a pass rusher does not work this year. There is no pass rusher worth being drafted at 11th overall. The Giants have their heart set on a Jalen Phillips, on a Quiddy Pay, trade back a few spots, take one of them there, pick up an extra third or fourth round pick for your troubles, get another starter or project player for your roster going forward. The Giants need to do a better job of understanding positional value. Next, we come to the Philadelphia Eagles and the wonderful world of Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Loria, and their new head coach, Nick Sirianni. Because my question for the Eagles is, who is calling the shots? There has clearly been some lines drawn in the sand here in this organization. Howie Roseman, the general manager, has the owner's ear. The owner and the general manager are in lockstep. There was a feature in The Athletic a couple of weeks ago. Doug Peterson got frustrated with the way the general manager and the the owner of the team were aligned, how they had weekly meetings about what the Eagles did wrong during the game that week, even if they had won. And Doug Peterson had stood up for coaches on his staff, but how he overruled them and fired them. And I really do wonder who's calling the shots there. I know Howie Roseman's been empowered by that owner, but... It's been a while since Howie Roseman made a good draft pick. I know he put together a team that won the first Super Bowl in Eagles franchise history, but at some point, I'm going to need the Eagles to make sense. They are clearly a team that took a step back last year. They started Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts. They drafted Jalen Rieger. They traded Carson Wentz to the Colts this offseason, and we have to wonder now. This is a team that's probably the least talented of the four in the NFC East. They're going into this season with only Jalen Hurts, who has a handful of NFL starts. They don't really have anyone of note on their defense. Their offense is pretty old. Jalen Rieger is the youngest offensive player, him and Jalen Hurts. They drafted Andre Dillard a couple of years ago, but he was getting hurt over and over again. I don't think you can coerce Jason Peters out of retirement again. You still have Jason Kelsey there in the middle, who's still pretty damn good when he's healthy. Lane Johnson, the right tackle, who's been hurt 
quite a bit. I mean, that's been the story of the Philadelphia Eagles the last few years is they haven't been able to stay healthy. They've lost so many games to injury, and they never really had any explosive offensive playmakers. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles go defense here. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles take a skill position player here. The Eagles have a ton of needs. They basically could take a player at any position, including quarterback. If Jalen Hurts is, excuse me, Jalen Hurts, if Justin Fields or Trey Lance is there at 11 or 12, excuse me, wouldn't rule it out. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Next, 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 San Diego Chargers. Yes, I still call them the San Diego Chargers because I'm 24 years old. They'll always be the San Diego Chargers to me, even if they're playing their home games in that ugly stadium with the Rams. My question for the Chargers is simple. Do you want to make Justin Herbert's life easier, or do you want to give Brandon Staley a toy for his new defense? I imagine Brandon Staley, the Chargers' new head coach, is going to use Derwin James in that money-backer rule that the Rams used Jalen Ramsey in last year in that new def- and that hybrid defense that Staley ran. You could make an argument that the Chargers could be in play here for a number of positions. They do have some extremely dynamic players in Joey Bosa and Derwin James on the defensive side of the ball. Justin Herbert was incredible last year as a rookie. If they just had some halfway decent game management on the offensive side of the ball, the Chargers more than likely make the playoffs last year. They very easily could have had 10 or 11 wins. They lost a lot of games on the last possession just because the game wasn't ran well. I know the Chargers are a team that does not spend a ton of money. They do not like to commit a lot of money to their coaching staff, to their scouting departments. Their owners are a little bit on the cheap side. General Manager Tom Telesco has kind of carved out, um, he's carved himself out a good seat where he can't really get fired, even though he probably should have at some point for letting Anthony Lynn waste all of those years of Phillip Rivers and last year of Justin Herbert. Minnesota Vikings. Vikings had the most draft picks of any team in last year's draft. They cut six of the 11 players they drafted. They spent a lot on corners in the draft. They had two rookie corners last year. Both got cooked. They signed Patrick Peterson in free agency. And I think the Vikings are in an interesting position now where a lot of their roster is geared towards winning a Super Bowl two years ago. Like, if you gave the Vikings this team two years ago with two years less miles on all of these guys' body, I think they'd be firmly in that second tier of NFC contenders right behind the Buccaneers where they could make the Super Bowl if things broke their way. They're a little bit over the hill now. They don't have the fierce defense like they did two years ago, three years ago when they went to the NFC title game where they could hit the shit out of you, where Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr were flying around out there, where Everson Griffin was a menace on the defensive line, where they had Kirk Cousins throwing the Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. I think Kirk Cousins has improved in his time in Minnesota. I do wonder a little bit about how things are going to go on the offensive side of the ball because Gary Kubiak, their offensive coordinator for the last few years, retired. I imagine they're still going to run a variation of the Shanahan offense, which is what Kubiak was running. Kirk Cousins thrives in that play-action heavy offense where the reads are easier and the defense is under more duress and they have to have the defensive players make decisions. I think the Vikings take a player geared towards the future. I would imagine it's an offensive lineman. They've had a hard time protecting Kirk Cousins at times. I know play-action is a way of protecting a bad offensive line, but at the same time, you gotta give you gotta give Cousins a chance, man. 
You could go defense there, but I lean towards the problems with that team being on offense. Mike Zimmer's a good defensive coach, and if you give him enough time with some young guys, he'll mold them into football players. I don't know if it's feasible to build a team defense first anymore in today's NFL, but Mike Zimmer's as good a defensive head coach as you can really have that isn't Bill Belichick. And speaking of our good friend Bill Belichick at 15, can you teach an old dog new tricks? It's been about 20 years, 25 years since Bill Belichick has had to build a team from scratch because the Patriots were amongst the least talented teams in the entire league last year. They had the most players of any team opt out because of COVID. They had Cam Newton coming in off of shoulder surgery. Cam Newton's arm was not great. His mechanics were not great. A lot of balls in the ground. He was not throwing to anyone particularly good. It is not entirely Cam Newton's fault that the Patriots offense was so bad last year. He was throwing to guys like Jacoby Myers, a fifth, sixth round pick. Nikhil Harry, who's kind of the latest in a long line of Patriots wide receivers to flame out. No production from the tight end position whatsoever to speak of. A revolving door of running backs, Danny Woodhead, James White, uh, Damian Harris, Sony Michelle. Nothing of note on that offense. Uh, I assume the Patriots are in play for a quarterback. Would not surprise me if a quarterback starts to fall in that top 10 if they try and trade up to the Carolina spot. Because if Carolina is content with Sam Darnold, they that's a prime trade-up spot. And if Denver is content with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater now, I would try and trade up to there. I, I don't think any... New England needs a quarterback. New England needs to start looking towards the long term. I think you could be competitive with Cam Newton next year. I do think you need to start planning towards the future, though. I do think you need to make a serious effort in to putting that team in a position to succeed going forward. They spent a ton of money in free agency. Nelson Aguilar, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. A ton of money in free agency to overhaul the offense. They got to get a quarterback in there that they can plan on. Stopgap quarterbacks are an important part of the team-building process, but if Bill Belichick would like to win one more Super Bowl before he retires, he needs to find a long-term plan at the quarterback position. Next, Arizona Cardinals, 16, halfway home. Do the Cardinals have a plan? They brought in Cliff Kingsbury. They wanted to run an air raid offense. They wanted to have uh, Kyler Murray cook. Uh, Not impressed. The Cardinals lost a lot of games in their game management, extremely conservative offensively, way, way too much Kenyon Drake behind a bad offensive line. The Cardinals should be thinking offensive linemen here. It wouldn't surprise me if they took a defensive player. I know a lot of mock drafts have them taking a wide receiver. Cardinals need a lot of things. A wide receiver is not one of them. They've got Nuke. They've got Christian Kirk. They've got my boy Andy Isabella. they got more than enough guys to catch the ball. they got to either give Kyler Murray more time in the pocket or they got to improve the defense, one or the other. I'd like to see a coherent plan. If they're going to be that air raid offense, they need to draft a tackle or a guard that's going to help the offensive line stand up long enough to give Murray a pocket to throw in where he doesn't just have to run for his life if the team wants offensive production. Arizona's an interesting team. They've got plenty of pieces on offense. The offense alone should be enough to keep them competitive. That defense is old. The defense is pretty old now. You're talking Chandler Jones, who's up there. A li- he's kind of up there now, coming off a torn bicep. You're talking about J.J. Watt, who's not entirely over the hill yet, but nowhere near the player he used to be. 
No corners of note to speak of. I do like Buda Baker, the free safety, who drops down into the box a decent amount, but not a ton there on Arizona. 17. My favorite team every single year in the draft, the Las Vegas Raiders. John Gruden, Mike Mayock. I know they're going to take someone from Ohio State or Clemson. I don't know who it's going to be this year. Are they? Is one of them going to reach for Wyatt Davis, the offensive lineman from uh, Ohio State? Is it going to be Amari Rogers, the uh, slot receiver from Clemson? I don't know. I just know they're going to go off the board. They may have made a habit of going off the board with their draft selections, especially in the first round. They've made a habit of drafting players and then cutting them or trading them before training camp is over. I mean, last year they drafted Lynn Bowden, the Kentucky quarterback wide receiver, and traded him to the Dolphins before training camp was over. I'm very curious to see what the Raiders do here. This is a team that desperately needs to improve their defense. I assume they go pass rusher. Do they have the balls to take Jalen Phillips, the player who retired? at UCLA because of his concussions, came out of retirement, went to Miami, had a really, really nice season. Do they take Gregory Rousseau, Jason Owe, Quiddy Pay, Kamora Owusu, the guy from Notre Dame. Vegas could take any number of guys here, and it wouldn't surprise me. They could take someone who's not projected until the 30s or 40s, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit. They are a team that gets cute with the board and thinks they're smarter than everyone else. And don't get me wrong. I always liked Mayock on NFL Network's draft coverage. I thought he was always very insightful. He did a good job of explaining what general managers were thinking. But let's be clear. John Gruden's the one calling the shots. He's the one that picks the players. He's got the final say on player personnel. Mayock's just there to help. Not every team has the same dynamic. I know I said that earlier on when we were talking about the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Kyle Shanahan makes those decisions. John Lynch is just the sounding board and part of the process. Ditto here in Vegas. John Gruden's the one making the decisions. We all know that. 18, Miami. What do you do with your second first-round pick if you're Miami? Do you go the opposite? Did you take the best offensive player available with the sixth overall pick? You got a wide receiver? You did? Cool. All right, go get someone for your defense. Go get a corner. You could be looking at a J.C. Horn, maybe. Maybe you roll the dice on a Trayvon Mullen. Or you could be just stupid and take Najee Harris, which I've seen a decent amount in mock drafts, where they take Jalen Waddle six, Najee Harris at 18, they reconnect Tua with his Alabama teammates and try and make an Alabama South. I mean, it's not the worst idea in the world. It's just there are more pressing needs at the running back position. You can produce reasonable production at the running back position with good scheme and good offensive line play. You do not need to spend a premium asset on a running back. The Dolphins had a revolving door at running back last year. A number of guys who were effective. I remember there was a three-week stretch where Ahmad, the guy they brought in off the practice squad, was a pretty good fantasy running back. Anyone can be effective if the situation is right at the running back position. It's why drafting one in the first round, even one as talented as Najee Harris or as Travis Etienne, does not make a ton of sense, just to be frank. You're shopping for luxury with the second first-round pick if you're Miami. And to be frank, you're expecting to be a playoff team next year. And if you're a playoff team, you need to shore up other parts of your team, not be drafting for luxury like a running back, a tight end. 19, Washington. 
Washington's an interesting team. I know I've said that about a ton of teams in this, but Washington is a really interesting situation because they obviously need a quarterback of the future. They don't have one on the roster at the moment. I don't believe Ryan Fitzpatrick is the long-term answer. I don't believe Tyler Heineke, who started the wildcard game for them, is the answer long-term. They will need to solve the quarterback position going forward. I don't believe it'll be with the 19th overall selection. They'll probably go best player available. I would assume it's an offensive skill position player. They need to give Fitzpatrick some targets to work with. You give He has Logan Thomas already. He has Terry McLaurin. They've got the running back in Antonio Gibson, who was pretty damn good for them last year. They just need to go out and give Fitzpatrick another skill position guy. And Elijah Moore... Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, someone in that ilk to help sure up that offense. You could also be looking at corner because they did have Kyle Fuller leave in free agency. There's options. Washington's interesting because they don't have a quarterback. They need a quarterback, and there's no quarterback worth taking when they will be on the board. 20. Everything I just said about the Washington football team, you could say about the Bears. They are a team that needs a quarterback of the future. They're going into this year with Andy Dalton and Nick Foles. There will be no quarterback worth taking at 20th overall. They're not taking Davis Mills. They're not taking Kyle Trask. That offensive line was pretty bad. You should be looking at offensive line here. You assume you can run it back. You're going to have some decent guys on offense. I like a lot of the pieces they have. Cole Komet is pretty good. Allen Robinson is obviously one of the better receivers in the league. Darnell Mooney flashed for them. They still have Anthony Miller. They have the running back, David Montgomery, who I liked coming out of Iowa State. There's a lot of pieces on that offense. They need a quarterback to elevate them, and they feel like if they can just get halfway decent play out of Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, they can be a playoff team like they were last year with the combination of Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are basically running year to year for their jobs at this point it wouldn't surprise me if either got canned after missing if the team missed the playoffs this upcoming season there's talent on that roster they need a better offense it's really hard to have a good offense if you don't have a good quarterback in today's nfl game managers are fine as a stopgap one or two year plan but your long range of outcomes with the stopgap quarterback is rough because you're too good to draft a quarterback in the top 10 and you're too bad to win the Super Bowl. You're stuck in no man's land, which is kind of where the Bears have been for a few years now. Indianapolis. 21st overall selection. I like everything Chris Ballard's done since become, becoming general manager of the Colts. Just being frank, he does a great job of maximizing their resources, of drafting well, identifying players. They have a really good, really good college personnel department. They found Darius Leonard at a small college took him in the second round he's already one of the best linebackers in football they drafted big q quentin nelson of course they've not spent money willy-nilly in free agency just because they had it they traded for carson wentz which i thought was an interesting gamble but i understand it from a team building perspective i mean car i i've said it a million times everyone said it a million times but carson wentz was playing like an mvp before he tore his acl the year the eagles won the super bowl it's very very possible that he can get back to being a top 13 12 quarterback which is i think about the cutoff point of when you can stop considering yourself a legitimate super bowl contender because you need to have a player good enough to win the game for you when it comes to the playoffs 
those game managers are fine. They can win enough games in the regular season to get you in the playoffs, but in the playoffs when there's less time, there's less space, less total points in the games, you need someone who can elevate the players around them. And if Carson Wentz can do it, the Colts are in a good spot. I think they got to go skill position player here. They've got some interesting players. I liked what I saw from Michael Pittman, the wide receiver at a USC last year. He wasn't healthy the entire year. He had, he did not start right away. It took him a couple weeks to break in. But once he got comfortable in that offense with Phillip Rivers, I thought he played pretty well. They've got the small army of tight ends. They've got Jonathan Taylor. They're going to have Marlon Mack coming off the Achilles injury. They're going to have, still have Naeem Hines. They've got one of the better offensive lines in football. They do need to address the Anthony Costanzo retirement because – Having your left tackle retire is unfortunate. They do need to address that position. They could be looking at tackle here. They could be looking at a skill position guy to help make Carson Wentz's life easier. Carson Wentz knows all about being in an offense without any dynamic players. He spent the better part of the last two years in the Eagles offense only being able to throw curls, outs, and ins because none of his wide receivers or tight ends could get open against man coverage. 22, the Tennessee Titans. The thing about Tennessee is they've adopted Mike Vrabel, their head coach's identity as their own. They're considered a smash mouth, hard nosed, rugged football team. They're a play action, up tempo offense. As good as Derrick Henry is, the numbers show passing attempts to AJ Brown were worth more points than every rushing attempt Derrick Henry had last season. We know this. Someone did the math. Passing attempts were more valuable than rushing attempts. Every time Ryan Tannehill threw the ball, it was more valuable than a time Derrick Henry ran the ball. We know this. This is a fact. The data shows the facts. Titans have a horrendous defense, though. They let Adoree Jackson go. They cut him. Let Malcolm Butler leave. Malcolm Butler went to the Cardinals. Titans need a lot. One of the worst pass rushes in the league last year, Jadavian Clowney was signed. He did not help. They need a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball. They could go pass rusher. They could go corner. They could go safety. I suppose you could go linebacker, but linebacker isn't going to make that much of an impact. There are no generational. There's no Luke Keekly. There's no flash. I mean, I like Mika Parsons a lot. I don't think Mika Parsons is Luke Keekly good. I don't know if Mika Parsons is even Devin White good. I don't know if Devin White is actually that good. I, I know last week, two weeks ago when I had P.J. Clark on and we talked about the, the fading of the importance of the Mike linebacker, Devin White runs around a lot, but he's not good in pass coverage. He gets to the ball quickly, but he's not preventing the play from happening. He doesn't have good positional instincts. He just has good adjustment, and he's fast. He's not... He's not a cerebral player yet. With time, he might turn out to be. I don't know how I ended up talking about Devin White when I was talking about the Titans, but yeah, Titans need to go defense here. The offense is going to have to deal with the loss of offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, who is now the head coach of the Falcons. I am curious to see if they stick with the same kind of offense they were successful with in Tennessee. I mean, they were doing it with Matt LaFleur, the now Packers coach before Arthur Smith. And now Arthur Smith did it. I assume they will be doing a similar take on that offense, which is just, of course, a deviation on the Shanahan offense that they all got from Kyle's dad, Mike. 23. Thank you to Jamal Adams. This pick belongs with the Jets. 
It's time to see if the Jets have learned their lesson. I know I said it in the first part when I talked about the second selection and Zach Wilson. Can you put your your quarterback in a position to succeed? Take an offensive lineman. Don't think about it. If there's no offensive lineman you like on your board at this point, take the best defensive back available. Take Greg Newsom. Take Trayvon Mullen. I don't care. Take If you feel confident in the medicals, take Caleb Farley, the corner from Virginia Tech. I'd be fine with that Is the if your medical team was fine with him. The Jets need a lot of things. You need to put your quarterback in a position to succeed. Give him an offensive line. Give him skill position, guys. Give him a defense that can hold the other team to less than 30 points. These are all important things. If you want to judge a player on their ability it helps to have them in a position to succeed. The Jets never did that with Sam Darnold. They damn sure better do it with Zach Wilson. 24. Oh, I can't wait for the Pittsburgh Steelers to take a running back. I'm itching in my bones for the Steelers to cling to yesteryear. To do what the Giants do. To get made fun of for doing what the Giants do. For insisting that they have a special way of doing things about them. Well, I can't even mock them. They actually have a special way. They've won six Super Bowls. The Giants have won four. They've been in existence 90-something years. They've made the playoffs less than 10% of the time. Come on, man. The Giants clinging to... The Giants clinging to legacy and history is funny. The Steelers, they do kind of have it, but at the same time... We all saw Ben Roethlisberger at the end of last season. He he ain't it. Let, let's just be honest. He, ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career, he is not it. I would like to see the Steelers move on. There is not a quarterback worth drafting in the 20s. I know a lot of people are linking them to running backs, whether it be Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, whichever one they happen to value higher. They need offensive line help. The Pittsburgh offensive line was horrendous last year. Andre Villanueva left in free agency. Pouncey retired, and you're looking at an offensive line that hasn't been good for a few years now. And Benton's a statue at this point. He's not the Ben Roethlisberger of old that used to be able to break tackles, that used to be able to extend plays with his legs. He just can't do that anymore. So I would like to see the Steelers start building towards the future. This is a team that has stubbornly tried to persevere through changing of the guard. Uh, We saw them stubbornly try and run the ball consistently last year, even though their offensive line was not good. James Conner, obviously not the player they thought he was. Benny Snell could not get anything going either. That team needs an overhaul. The defense, still very good. The offense needs a a lot. Let's, Let's just be honest here. They need a lot. You saw the flashes from Chase Claypool, the number two receiver, who I really like, very high on him. But Juju Smith-Schuster does not inspire a ton of confidence. Ben Roethlisberger himself, at this point, does not inspire a ton of confidence. Next. Jacksonville. This is just another minute and a half for me to talk about. I'm very just, I'm flat out very curious to see what Urban Meyer does here. I want to see what type of identity they try and build for that team. Uh, Trevor Lawrence played in a spread offense for three years at Clemson. Urban Meyer, extremely successful in spread offenses at the college level with mobile quarterbacks, whether it was at at Ohio State with a Cardell Jones or at Florida with a Tim Tebow. When 
Urban's teams have been competitive at the college level. It was with mobile quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence has above-average mobility. I mean, everyone remembers the run in the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State back in 2019. But we got to see what they want to do. Jacksonville invested two first-round picks in the defense last year, both in um, Clavon Chason, the edge rusher from LSU, and the cornerback from Florida, C.J. Henderson. And that defense, again, this is a team that finished dead last in the NFL for a reason. They went 1-15 for a reason. They have a ton of holes. They could go pretty much anywhere here with this second pick. I wouldn't be surprised if they went with a tight end. I wouldn't be surprised if they went another pass rusher. Just don't take a running back, Jacksonville. Please, you got a decent running back on the roster already. It's very interesting to see how different executives handle rebuilds, especially rebuilds from square one, which is where Jacksonville is. Yes, they're going to be able to drop a quarterback into the rebuild very early in the process, which should help, but they need a lot of stuff around them. You need offensive linemen. You need skill position guys. You need a defense. There are so many things you need for a quarterback to be successful. We're going to see how, just how smart Urban Meyer actually is and how good he is at building a team because the NFL is not college football. We've seen plenty of college coaches have good success at the college level, head to Sundays, and flame out. Uh, Bobby Petrino, Steve Spurrier, Pete Carroll the first time around, Nick Saban. It, it, they are drastically different things. And part of what makes good college coaches good is the fact that they can bank on their reputation in recruiting. And they can build something sustainable over time where people want to be a part of something because they already know it's great. And there's less work to do. The NFL... Uh, I don't know if you guys know this or if Urban Meyer knows this, but the Jaguars are kind of a running joke. I mean, this is a team that took Blake Bortles, number three overall, and they never met with him because they didn't want any other team to know they were thinking about drafting him. So that gives you some thinking into what the Jaguars have done historically. 26, the Cleveland Browns. Really, really interesting part of... God, I've said interesting way too many times this episode. I'm sorry. I know. We're almost done. I promise. I promise. The Browns have reached a point in their building process now where they're they're shopping for luxury pieces. You could be looking at a linebacker, a safety, a skill position player like tight end or wide receiver in the lower end of the wide receivers. Higher end wide receivers you can justify taking in the top 10. But you could take a wide receiver to add to Odell Beckham, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, the crowded but talented tight end room of Austin Hooper, Harrison Bryant, David Njoku. The offensive line played really, really well last year. You could add another piece to that mix if there's a tackle or guard that's fallen or if you want to take one of the two centers, whether it be Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphrey. You could convince me into that for the Browns, but the most common thing I've seen them draft in mocks is linebackers, whether it's Zavin Collins, the linebacker from Tulsa, whether it's the Kentucky linebacker. Browns definitely need something in that middle of the field. That was one of the most glaring things down the stretch last year, especially after the injuries kind of took hold on the defense. It really was hard for them to get off of the field sometimes because they had no one controlling that middle part of the field, no one breaking up pass attempts, no one that could cover tight ends. But it's really nice to see that the Browns have kind of emerged from the abyss. They went to the playoffs. They won a playoff game. 
they played tough against the Chiefs. Uh, if they were a little bit more aggressive on offense, they very well could have beaten the Chiefs and maybe went to the AFC title game against the Bills. That, that was not out of the realm of possibility last year. The Browns are making real headway. It's nice to see them picking in the 20s on a pick they did not trade for. Very good from the Cleveland Browns and Andrew Barry, their general manager. Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. Oh, I wonder what Eric DaCosta and the Ravens are doing. The Ravens always trade back. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded back from both 27 and 31. They both, they have two picks in this draft. One, the 31st pick they acquired in the trade for Orlando Brown, which just happened this past week. I really do wonder where the Ravens go from here. They very clearly ran into a wall in the playoffs each of the last two years where you have to be able to move the football. If you can't throw the ball, the other team can sit run on you or they can double up and force you to throw the ball. They load up the box on you. And if your receivers can't get open in man coverage on press man, you get eaten alive. I know I've seen a lot of mocks with the Ravens taking an Elijah Moore, a Terrence Marshall, a Rashad Bateman. There's a lot of guys worth taking for the Ravens. They need someone else to get open. I think Hollywood Brown is a good complementary receiver to take the top off the defense. He's not a number one receiver. I would like to see the Ravens give Lamar a true number one receiver. There's going to be options. There are a lot of good receivers in this draft. I hope they take one of them, is what I'll say. 28. New Orleans Saints, Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton. Well, they did all those cap gymnastics for X number of years, constantly finding ways to keep bringing in talent and signing guys and giving guys extensions, and they did not win a Super Bowl. They had more than one chance where they probably should have at least went to a Super Bowl but ended up losing, and they've had a string of bad luck. This past year, you really saw the limitations with Drew Brees. Drew Brees hung it up. Yes, he was injured. He got those broken ribs. He tried to come back from it. He was not nearly as effective as he was pre-broken ribs. And he wasn't that good pre-broken ribs to begin with. I know the boomer football media, like I remember Rich Eisen confidently being like, it's Drew Brees. He's still Drew Brees. He's not Drew Brees. He's not the Drew Brees of old. He does not throw the ball as well in the intermediate routes. They're going in with James Winston and Taysom Hill. I assume this draft pick will be defense. It wouldn't be impossible to be wide receiver, but that defense is the strong suit of the team. It'd be good to build on it. I know they had to let a few guys in free agency leave because they did not have the cap space to do so. Saints are an interesting team where they go from here. God, I got to stop saying interesting. I'm going to look up with this. I'm going to pull up with the source for the next episode I record solo because I'm saying interesting way too much because I'm trying to convey how excited I am for the draft, to be honest, but... The Saints are in a retooling bit part of their roster construction. Would it surprise me if Jameis Winston threw for 35 touchdowns, 20 picks, 4,200 yards, and the Saints went 11-5? and five? No, it wouldn't. Would it surprise me if Jameis Winston threw for 30 touchdowns, 25 picks, 4,000 yards, and the Saints went 8-8? Eight and eight? No, it wouldn't. They're going to have a large range of outcomes, but they got to start Jameis. If they start Taysom Hill, you can't take the Saints seriously. I, I, I respect Sean Payton. He's one of the better coaches in the league. The Taysom Hill nonsense has got to stop. I don't care how much Mike Florio writes about it. I don't care how much Sean Payton says he's good. He's not. 
He's not a quarterback. He's a gimmick. He's a gadget. Put him in the backfield with Jameis a couple times a game. Put the defense for a loop. Use him to keep the defense off balance. He's not a building block. He's not a real quarterback. 29, Green Bay Packers. Just give Aaron Rodgers some goddamn help, bro. I am still mad the Packers lost the NFC title game because I'm sick of the I'm so tired of the boomer football fans acting like Tom Brady's the reason the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. He was a passenger. That was a perfect situation. Elite offensive line, elite skill positions, elite defense. All Tom Brady had to do was get the ball where it needed to be, and he almost fucked it up for them in the NFC title game. I did not think Tom Brady was amazing last year. He was good. He was like the ninth, eighth best quarterback in the league. You can win the Super Bowl with the eighth or ninth best quarterback in the league. That's fine. Green Bay needs to give Rodgers some help. They lost Corey Lindsley in free agency. I could see them going with Landon Dickerson if he is there. I could see them going with a wide receiver if they like any of those guys. You could take a number two corner to go opposite Jair Alexander. The Packers have been close each of the last two years. I really, I know I said this last year after, uh, excuse me, two years ago after they lost the NFC title game to the 49ers. I really, really doubt they can be as good as they were last year. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to rattle off another MVP season. I just don't. It's not a likely outcome based on just sheer probability. You cannot continue to expect a player to perform out of their mind into their late 30s. I think Rodgers will still be really good. I just don't think the Packers will go 13-3 and again. I just don't. You give Aaron Rodgers some help, maybe they do go 13-3 and a third straight year, and maybe they do get over the hump in the playoffs, and they do win the NFC title game, and they do go to the Super Bowl, and Rodgers gets the second Super Bowl he so desperately wants because he, he's been on some pretty mad teams and elevated the talent around him. I would not be surprised if this is Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay. I know Ethan, shout out, love my boy Ethan, my boss at Gotham. I know Ethan's conspiracy theory late stage Aaron Rodgers comes to the Giants Daniel Jones flames out this year we roll with 38 year old Aaron Rodgers going into 2022 it's better than going in with mad Daniel Jones I'd take that but yeah Green Bay give that man Rodgers some help they've slowly but surely learned that they can't just build the team through the draft they need to make moves in free agency they gotta do a little bit better in the draft. Uh, Jordan Love, AJ Dillon, AJ Dillon was nice for them last year, but if you were gonna draft him sec- in the second round, you couldn't give Aaron Jones that extension. You should have just ran it back with Jonathan Williams and then had AJ Dillon elevated and let Aaron Jones leave in free agency because you're not valuing your positions. Aaron Jones is good because he plays in an offense where the defense is worried about Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line is really damn good. No running back is really worth $13, $14 million a year. Aaron Jones is good. I don't think he's that good. He is not the reason he is good. He's good because the offense allows him to be good. 30, Buffalo Bills. Take a pass rusher. Don't take a running back. Uh, Running back wouldn't be the end of the world at 30 overall, but you have more pressing needs. I mean, the Bills prove you don't have to be able to run the ball. I mean, we saw them play the Ravens where they didn't attempt a rush they didn't have a rushing attempt for almost two full quarters of the game because they knew they couldn't run the ball, so they didn't even bother trying to bullshit. They would run play action without actually ever running the ball. Don't take a running back. Get Josh Allen another offensive lineman, get a pass rusher, 
get a defensive back. Just don't waste your pick, man. Just don't. Don't take a running back. Even as good as Travis Etienne is, as good as Javante Williams, the North Carolina running back is, or Najee Harris, should he be on the board at 30? Just don't take a running back, man. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are fine. Give them an offensive line and allow them to get more holes. 31, Baltimore. Everything I said about them at 27 is true. Maybe they trade one of their two picks back, get an extra mid-rounder, and then use the other on a receiver. Just make sure you get a damn receiver in there for Lamar. 32, last but not least, Jason Light. I really like how quick Jason Light's reputation as general manager turned around. There, Two years ago, it was very likely he could have been fired. But he, Tom Brady picked them, and he lucked out. I mean, Devin White, he was good. He's a flashy player. Antoine Winfield, decent, very good. Vita Vea, defensive tackle, top 10, eh. I don't know if Jason Light is actually a good general manager if he just lucked into Tom Brady. I think it's more the latter than the former, but I will say he did draft probably the best, if not the second best, of the offensive linemen in last year's draft class in Tristan Wirfs. I really liked how they assembled that roster over time. Yes, some of it was by accident where you ended up with Tom Brady, you got Antonio Brown, but... Mike Evans, they drafted. Chris Godwin, they drafted. Ronald Jones, they drafted. O.J. Howard, they drafted. Three, no, four of the five offensive linemen, they drafted. On the defensive side of the ball, two of the corners, one of the safeties, three of the linebackers, two of the defensive linemen. They've built their team really well through the draft. They're the ultimate example of a team shopping for a luxury. They're bringing back all 22 starters from their Super Bowl winning team last year. They could go anywhere here, and it'd be relatively justifiable. Maybe they take the Alabama defensive tackle. Maybe they take another wide receiver because they know A.J. Brown is leaving. Maybe they try an upgrade from Donovan Smith at tackle. Maybe they take a quarterback to be the successor to Tom Brady. If it's a Davis Mills, if it's a Kellen Mond, a Kyle Trask, maybe they go that route. There's plenty, plenty of options. I hope you guys are as damn excited as i am it is freaking draft day one of the best days in the entire year we all get to project our hopes and dreams for our nfl franchises onto the lives of college kids who a couple weeks ago were using meal swipes in the dining hall i mean none of these guys like live a normal college life obviously who are going to be drafted in the first round of the nfl draft but you know what i'm saying we get to project our hopes and dreams onto college kids, and I cannot wait. I hope everybody has a great, great draft experience. The Jacksonville Jaguars are now on the clock. <laughs>